If you would open up your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 9, we'll be reading from verses 1 through 19. Acts 9, 1 through 19. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision called, calling, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to the straight street to the house of Judas, where you, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds, may they be truly and utterly faithful to your word, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. And we invite you, Lord Jesus, to come remove the scales from our eyes, to help us to see you face to face this morning. May we meet you. May we see the love that you have in your eyes for each and every one of us. 
May we hear the good news of your life, your death, and your resurrection. And may we go from this place being your witness of the love you have for the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, one of my best friends uh, uh, of uh, about 35 years, uh, we went to college together, he sent me a text the other day. He was playing this game, uh, one of those little games you have cards, and, and uh, it's, uh, the name of the card game is We're Not Really Strangers is the name of the game. Uh, and, and he sent me one of the cards from this deck uh, in it, uh, and, and it said this. It said, if you could relive an iconic day in our friendship what would it be? If you could relive an iconic day in our friendship, what would it be? And then I started thinking about all the wonderful things that uh, times that we had, all our memories, all the times that we had at our weddings and uh, his wedding, my wedding, all the other friends' weddings, uh, the birth of her children, all these sort of things that we all experienced together. Uh, and, and I couldn't come up with just one uh, time. Uh, he said that uh, it would be uh, your wedding or my wedding, is what he said, um, which meant my wedding or his wedding uh, was one of those iconic days he would like to relive. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I thought of maybe it was a day that we spent, actually it was more about a week that we spent at his house with his parents um, doing all kinds of things from baling hay to eating rum cake, to all kinds of other things we did uh, while we were there in college. Uh, and, and I wonder if Saul, Paul, if Jesus asked that question to him, what his answer would be, and would it be this experience that he had here on the road to Damascus. It's probably one of the stories that most everybody in the Bible has heard at one time or another uh, of how, uh, you know, we first saw Saul. Where, where did we first see him? In the story of Stephen and his stoning. He was standing there holding the coats of those people who were throwing the stones that finally killed Stephen. Uh, and and now, now, Saul is uttering threats against any of the believers who follow the way, and the way is uh, what people called uh, those who follow Jesus Christ. It was the way. Uh, and uh, he was uttering threats to them so much that he went to uh, the leaders to get uh, uh, the ability to go to Damascus and bring the men and women there that followed the way any of them he he was so he thought he was doing so much uh, to to save Judaism that he was willing to kill women and and men uh, for that because he thought the way was so uh, terrible, so hurtful, so damaging to Judaism that he was willing to go that far. Uh, and this, this was about 120 miles away uh, from uh, Jerusalem. And uh, he went there to bring these people back so they could be persecuted. And on the way, he was almost to Damascus there. A bright light shined down. It was so bright that it knocked him down onto the ground. Uh, and a voice that the people with Saul didn't hear. I wonder if they saw the light. Did they see the light, Sione, or they just didn't know anything? They just saw this dude fall on the ground. They could hear the voice. All this going on. And, and it's, it's, it's Jesus. Saul meets Jesus 
in a powerful, amazing way. Uh, and, and he says, why are you persecuting me? And Saul doesn't know who he is. He doesn't, the, the word Lord there really probably should be translated sir or mister or, you know, who are you, sir? Uh, uh, you know, he's not denoting that he's making Jesus Lord at this point, but what he just doesn't know who it is. And Jesus speaks to him and he says, I am the one you are persecuting. The threats, the, the violence, all that he was doing was against not just the people that he was doing it to, but it was also, and most importantly, to Jesus himself. He was persecuting Jesus, the risen Christ. But here, here he meets the risen Christ. He thought he was doing what was so important that he had to save the church, that he had to make right what all these people were doing wrong. He took it upon himself to be the savior of these people. And then he finally met the real savior, the real Messiah, the real risen Jesus there on the road to Damascus, and his whole life changed from that moment on. His whole life changed in Jesus' embrace on the road to Damascus, and he went from persecuting the church to loving people into the kingdom of God. You know, he thought he was self-righteous, he thought that he knew what was most important. He thought that he could save the world. But the only person that could was Jesus and can is Jesus himself. We see all of these things going on in, in the world. And the, the problem with a lot of us in the, the world today is that we don't believe we can be wrong about anything. We think we are right about everything. I know more than the person sitting next to me or the person that's walking down the street or the person that's on Facebook, uh, the person that's in the other uh, political party or the person that's in a different country or we know more about the Bible than anybody else and we get in our self-righteousness and we start to persecute and we start to hurt and we yell and we scream and we make it so the other person is less. And when we're doing that, we're persecuting not just that person. We're bearing false witness against who Jesus Christ really is. You know, there's a lot of vitriol and anger that is going on around us, uh, not only in uh, the church, but outside of the church, uh, in America, uh, around the world. And, and we need to start, we need to start by thinking to ourselves, I could just be wrong about how I feel about this topic, that topic, this way, that way. And the only way, the only way is the way of Jesus Christ. And we hurt so many people because we think we know better than they do when we're probably even more wrong than they are. Paul thought he was right until he met the risen Christ and it changed everything. Don't think that you know it all. 
begin everything with a loving, grace-filled, merciful way. Whether it's politics, whether it's belief in the Bible, whether it's what color, uh, if you could wear white after Labor Day, uh, you know, uh, anything and everything needs to be done in a loving, caring way. Because the witness that we proclaim about who Jesus is could just be bearing false witness about God's love for the person that we're talking about or against or for whatever. Stop fighting with each other about all this stuff. Because what's most important is that there's people dying and going to hell. And we're causing them to go there because we're bickering and fighting over stupid, idiotic stuff. Would you be willing to be a loving, caring witness in every area of your life? Begin, begin everything with the statement, I could possibly just maybe, I'm not, be wrong. <laughs> and if you start there, if you start there, you can begin to see the other person not as an object, but as someone for whom Jesus died. You see, the other opponent, in whatever area that you think that person might be, as someone for whom Christ died. And you love them, even though you might not agree with them and realize, guess what? They could possibly be right. I don't know how many times that Alice and I fight because we both think we're right. And guess what? We are. Both of us are right. We see things in a different way. Way. Have you seen the two people standing with the number six on the ground? That person sees a nine, you see a six. Who's wrong? Who's right? Why should they fight about it? Just hug it out and say, you know what? Sure, I love you. <laughs> Can we be real witnesses of God's love in everything we say, everything we type, everything that we do? That is what happens when we really, truly meet the risen Christ. Everything about us changes and we can love the other people the way that God wants us to love them. Are you willing? Are you willing to love everyone because they are someone for whom Christ died? And will you speak to them as someone for whom Christ died. And may you realize that in the midst of it all, you could possibly, you could, you could possibly be wrong about what you believe, about how you're living your life, about that other person. And we should love them. Love them. Love them through it all. Let us pray. God.
We thank you that when we meet you, nothing else matters. Our lives don't matter. We're, we can give up our selfishness, our self-centeredness, our self-seeking, and we can seek what is best for you and your people. Help us, help us to love everyone and treat them as someone for whom you died. No matter who they are, where they've been, what country they're from, what color they are, what they believe about this or that or the other, whether they're in a, another political party or whether they wear white after Labor Day. God, help us to love everyone and treat them and love them as someone for whom Christ died. And God, if we haven't met you yet in a powerful, amazing way that changes our life, do it. Do it right now. Take the blinders off. And may we see your love and you fully and completely until our lives no longer matters, but everyone else's. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.